for the little guys, what I suggest is maybe to partner up with somebody larger and create your business to be a sleeve of the business that a larger guy is doing. So if you have a bank or another broker out there, just come in and say, look, here I am. I want to create another sleeve, but I want to partner up on everything that I do. I don't want to be an employee. And I'm sure that the larger guy will accept that if it makes sense. I know we do the same thing. We have brokers out there that have been brokering to us. And then they said, hey, we want to come in and we want to utilize your liquidity. You know, but for that, we're going to bring in the flow. Would you partner up on our deals? And we say, absolutely. Right. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the show, Ed Gitling. Ed and I talk about how you can find opportunities even in this really challenging market. If you haven't had a chance yet, go check out my other episode. We talk about three things that are causing bank tightening and it more challenging to get loans. This episode, we're going to be talking about how you can find opportunity. Now, he's talking about it at a high level. So, you know, 30,000 feet. I get into how you specifically can do this in your mortgage business today, even if you're not, you know, a lender like Ed, but I think you're going to find it very interesting. Also, in this episode, I talked to Ruben from Deeded about how to improve your ROI. Before I jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. Very easy for them to use. As they're filling out the app, it's automatically, yes, I said magic, knows what documents to ask for. When they send the docs in and the application, you can then go search lender spotlight and figure out where to place that loan. And finally, when you go to hit submit, it pulls key data from the application. So they really thought about how to make this efficient for you as well as your lender, as well as the borrower. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo. Check out this conversation with Ed. Hey Ed, thanks for coming back on with me. And if you haven't listened already in our previous uh, discussion, we talk about how it's gotten a lot harder for lending right now. It's a little bit of doom and gloom. It's not terrible. But in this particular conversation, I wanted to talk with Ed about, because he's a very creative guy and always finds solutions, but there's always opportunities no matter what. The way I've heard it described before is that the economy or the market's like a tennis match. And when the ball hits the ground, you're either happy or sad, depending on which side of the net you're on. And the great part about mortgage brokers, especially ones that are creative, is that we can move. We don't have to stay on the same side of the net. So if you wouldn't mind, Ed, can you give me some examples of where you're seeing opportunities, even though we have a liquidity problem, we have like lender guidelines tightening and higher rates, where is the opportunity today that you're noticing? The most of the opportunity that I'm noticing today is mergers and acquisitions. It's basically the 94, 98, 2008 is coming back, where the companies that understand how to reboot in the air would go out and do mergers and acquisitions, whether acquiring someone or merging. I'm always for the fact to merge because you always can keep an existing infrastructure in place and grow on that. We've been actually approaching quite a few companies out there to figure out if we can merge with them. I'll tell you what we're doing. And basically, I think that's something that's probably the business model for majority of people right now that are looking to grow and use this particular timing, you know, where everything is sort of up in the air to see if they can grow and make a little uh, high jump. So we're looking for companies that are doing things in our space, but doing them differently. So if we are bridge funders, we're looking for the guys that are doing fix and flips, that the guys are doing some conventional about UM work. So this way we can take and monetize on the same lead flow, on the same borrower many times over. 
it's a nice progression where somebody is coming into the, let's say, hard money, private money lender. They obtain a loan because they need to fix some issues. They need a, a quick bandaid. Within a year, you can refinance into an QM loan. Now they're having a much better interest rate. They're also going out and have a more breathing room because of the time span of the term of the loan instead of a year. It could be a five-year, 10-year, 30-year loan. Once they fix that, we can get them into a conventional product, which lowers their rate even further. So that's one of the natural progressions that we're looking at. We're also looking at companies that do other debt services, such as merchant cash advance companies, pay companies, companies that are invoicing, leasing, and so on, because we feel there's a total natural progression. We've seen many times when a person is almost coming to a closing table and they don't have enough funds. However, right, they right. own a they may own a business. You can always put a debt on the business in order to increase their cash flow for the real estate. So there's a lot of moving parts that are actually in conjunction, and that's really where I see the opportunities lie. Also, a great idea, you know, for a broker to to maybe merge with a banker or a banker merge with a broker. Again, the broker's upside is that they're going to get liquidity and somebody who's going to yes say yes most of the time because it's their own company. And, you know, the lender does not have to rely on outside lead flow by obtaining a broker. So there's a lot of nice little collaboration and synergy between the companies that don't have to be in the same industry, but at least in the debt service industry. Right. That's interesting. So when you said mergers and acquisitions, I wasn't quite sure what you meant, but then as you explained it, it makes sense. So essentially, there's a lower lead volume currently, lower borrower volume, just given the market conditions. And one of the ways to combat that is if you kind of partner with other people that service that same borrower, but at different stages of their cycle, whether it's like you said, the fix and flip, and then they go into maybe there's a bridge, and then they go to non-QM and then conventional, it can be a customer for you three or four times in a row, and everybody can win from that. And since everybody has a different market that they're fishing in, so you've got your market and these other partners would have theirs you may pull somebody in that's not technically for you, but could be for one of your partners. And then that person goes through the whole flow of like, is that kind of what you're suggesting? It's that's sort of like there's a- That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. But in addition, it also reduces your infrastructure costs. So yeah, for sure. Say, so yeah, now you have yeah. like, you, you don't need to have like four bookkeepers or like, you know, you can reduce exactly. costs. Of, exactly. Of, one CFO, you have one IT person, you know, instead of having two or three. So the redundancy goes away. So what you're doing is you're increasing the profitability by increasing the revenue, but also lowering your bottom line at the expenses. Right. Okay. So, and since you've kind of been thinking about this more, have you had any success with uh, any of these or mergers or like how far those conversations gone? And then that's the first question. Second question is how long does that take? So like, I haven't actually done this before, but if you found a company, a sister company that looks like they're a good fit, like, what's the timeline from this looks great to let's put a ring on it? You know, like, uh, what is her name said there? Uh, fiance, you like it, then you should put a ring on it. <laughs> Let me answer the second question first, because it's a faster one. The second question, it takes about six to nine months. Right. Okay. Because it takes about a month to two to enter into an agreement. Then it takes about three to four months to do due diligence and another few months to close. So that's really the six to nine months is probably within the guidelines of this structure. As far as me trying out, I did make an offer on one of the lenders. I'm not allowed to disclose that because I'm under NDA. However, the lender was asking $42 million. They were doing about $3 billion worth of business. We made them an offer. Our offer was not significantly lower. The only thing we were asking is for them to remove 
all of their servicing. So the loans they were servicing, we did not want them to come as part of the package. And for the same reason, as I mentioned to you in another one of our sessions, is that we didn't want to get stuck with an upside down loans because those right. loans were written at a very low number, a low interest rate. So we didn't want to get stuck with that. It was about $15 million or $18 million worth of those loans. So we said, look, we will buy it for your asking price. However, you got to remove those loans. And they wanted to sell everything. And I believe they ended up selling everything. Not sure for what price and to whom, but I know that we did not go through that transaction. I am talking to another couple of people out there that are brokers and lenders. And trying to see if we can be a good fit and how we can, you know, buy into their company or buy them out. And I'm going to keep on doing it, you know, at least for the next year while the market is still shaking. Right. That's interesting. I wonder how, like, so, I mean, you're playing at another game, like another level, given that, you know, the money that you lend out and being a balance sheet lender. If somebody's like just an average mortgage broker or loan officer, how would you try to do something like this? Would you just partner with somebody and say, hey, look, let's partner Maybe we can reduce some of our, like, we share an assistant instead of, like, you know, so I'm just thinking more like the individual producer. Like, what are your thoughts on that? On individual producers, I would definitely partner out with someone. I've done it 30 years ago with my partner before we bought our first company. We partnered up, and I would definitely partner up with someone. I would create a team. So the best way to learn is to take a large conglomerate company and basically minimize it. You know how you have those toy trains, 40 to yeah. 1? Or 100 to 1, do the same thing. Figure out what their model is. It's not hard today with internet. Those models are totally available. A lot of the companies have their decks available so you can see the structure and the org charts. You can see the deal flows. You can see everything. So take that and basically replicate it on a minimal level. So there's two of you. Then you grow into a little team working for a broker. Then one of you gets licensed and now starts a state or two. And then you go to more states. And that's how you have to evolve. But I think that whoever is looking to grow, they have to follow success and mimic success. That's the best way. That's what I did. I'm not that bright to reinvent something. you know. But I mimicked the success that I saw from my previous brokers when I was an agent. Right. And basically just tweaked it a little bit to what I saw the market is doing, what I thought would be a better way to do it, you know, a better angle or maybe a better move. And that's it. And, you know, obviously a lot of luck. You know, it's a marriage in a way with of business partners, but I actually like this idea a lot. So the thing that is great about it is you can increase both lead flow because you now have more than one person, you know, opportunities to create leads. You can reduce redundant costs by combining things. And I mean, if you're really smart about it, you could even, you know, you have a specialty, they have a different specialty, you can focus more on your specialty, whether maybe one of you is good at lead generation, one of you is good at another part of it or whatever, and allows you to get more focused on the thing that you're good at. And then the other thing you can do is this, a mortgage person, maybe this is, it was certainly in Canada, you can tell me if this is possible in the US, is basically buying somebody else's book of business. So somebody who has like a, you know, a large database, and they have Maybe there's not a ton of refis in the database now. So do people buy books of business in the U.S.? Or is that not something people do? Yeah, of course they do. Well, of course they do. That's a common thing. You know, when you buy a company, you're basically buying a book of business, unless the company has a brand. But the majority of mom and pops, you know, they don't have a brand. They only have the principle of the company that everybody goes to. Right. So what are they selling? They're selling goodwill. No, they're selling the book of business. Right. So that's like the database plus any of the referral partners and that sort of thing. I think that's really good. Any other sort of last thoughts or comments on finding opportunities in this, you know, slightly more challenging market than it has been a couple of years ago? 
for the little guys, what I suggest is maybe to partner up with somebody larger and create your business to be a sleeve of the business that a larger guy is doing. So if you have a bank or another broker out there, just come in and say, look, here I am. I want to create another sleeve, but I want to partner up on everything that I do. I don't want to be an employee. And I'm sure that the larger guy will accept that if it makes sense. I know we do the same thing. We have brokers out there that have been brokering to us and that they said, hey, we want to come in and we want to utilize your liquidity, you know, but for that, we're going to bring in the flow. Would you partner up on our deals? And we say, absolutely. Right. Right. So you create a win for both of you. That's awesome. So if somebody's listening to this and like, Ed, I got something I want to run past you. Maybe I have a company that potentially you got, we could do a merger or something with. Where can they find you? Towerfundcapital.com. Okay, man. Ed, I really appreciate talking with you. And this is a great insight and even a reminder of me thinking about like, this is a great time to buy books of business because some people, the other thing is that if they've been doing this for, maybe they want out, they're like, I'm done. Like I've been through another cycle. We know it's going to come back. The market, like, who knows when, but the market will go through another cycle. And there's people that are at the end of this going, I'm good. Like, let me peace out or, you know, head the exit. And there's opportunities right now, I think, for the brokers who are in here for the long haul going, you know, maybe I can acquire some market share through yep. acquisition instead of just waiting before this kind of peters out. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, my friend. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. All right, hopefully you've left with some ideas or inspired. I know when I listened to that, I was like, Ed, this got me thinking more about how we wanted to buy books of business. And so if you're listening to this and you have been in the business for a while, you're like, Scott, I've made my money and I want to get out. I would love to chat with you about possibly buying your book of business from you. Send me an email to scott at ilovemortgagebrokering.com and let's chat. So this is for Canadian listeners only. We're not buying any books of business in the US currently because we can't service that. But if you have a book of business and you're like, I would like to know what that would look like. I'd love to see if I can help you get paid and you can just, you know, head down to Mexico, some mojitos while we uh, take care of your clients. Email me at scott.mortgagebrokering.com. And in this next segment, I talked to Ruben about improving your ROI. Hey, Ruben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me again. Hey, so before we turn on the recorder, I was chatting to you about one of the things that we, our company Bricks does is we focus on increasing our agent's revenue per hour and how we use that as a filter for decisions that we make that affect our agents. One in particular was I said that we were nominated for this award for new brokerage of the year. And I thought to myself, is winning this award going to help my agents increase revenue per hour? I'm like, probably not. Do they really care? Probably not. Instead, we decided to do this leads, not awards giveaway where we had people come in and pitch and share their best lead generating strategies, which was fantastic. And so that framework is how we make decisions. And so as we talk about that, you're like, hey, I know exactly how this ties into what we do at Deeded. So why don't we talk about how the closing you know, process and experience can actually also help you improve your revenue per hour? Yeah, you bet. So as you know, Scott, today, Typically, and we've talked about it in previous shows, we all know that the agent, the mortgage broker is not done when you receive that commitment. There's still a whole bunch of process that needs to happen for that deal to get funded. It'll go through a title company. It'll go through a lawyer or law firm. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a whole bunch of magic that needs to happen behind the scenes to bring that deal to, hey, congratulations, your deal funded, everybody gets paid, clients happy and all that stuff. Now, unfortunately, today, that process is very time consuming. If you think about, you know, the inefficiencies are one of the biggest inefficiencies that we've seen, you know, I know we've talked to a lot of brokers from your team, and we hear time and time again, here's all the steps that I need to do 
during the closing in terms of the follow-up. I need to make sure that the lawyer's office got the documents. I need to make sure my client gets contacted. I need to make sure mortgage instructions have been received from the lender and so on and so forth, right? So all these touch points equal a good amount of time. Sometimes you've got it down to quite a few conversations. Sometimes it could be an hour. Sometimes it could be even three, four hours, depending on how the deal goes, right? Mm -hmm. So again, big, big inefficiency. And, and the reason is we really haven't systemized that closing process. We've systemized the submission process. We've systemized the front end you know, from lead to submissions. And there's some really, really great systems. I know you talk about them all the time in technology, but really from a technology and a system to manage your closing and make that more efficient so that you're not spending time as a broker, literally babysitting every step of the way, making sure that that deal actually funds, there really hasn't been anything created. And that's ultimately what inspired us, Adita, to come up with that system and be able to manage all those various touch points without having to have that agent or broker spend hours and hours of their day babysitting a deal. Right. And if you're not babysitting, maybe not the right word, but if you're not babysitting your closings, really, I don't think you're serving your clients properly. So you can throw it over there, but if you do enough of it, you're going to have problems which create way more work. So, you know, the real time comes in when there's a problem that you have to all of a sudden drop everything to solve because it wasn't managed, right? When things kind of work, they work, but when they don't, they really don't. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, there's short money. They didn't know about this or that, you know, the amount that was sent was incorrect. And all of these things that create anxiety and stress in the client and the client experience. And ultimately the client's still going to blame you. And it is still your fault because you're the captain I always say you're drive the bus. I say to the clients, look, I'm going to drive the bus. You tell me where you want to go, but I will get you there in the most efficient way possible. If you let the client drive the bus, and one of the ways is by letting them choose, oh, I got a friend. He's kind of like a divorce lawyer, but he's going to help with this. He's going to crash your bus and he's going to blame you and it's your fault. And so you do not let them drive the bus like ever. And so I've had calls where in the first five minutes, I let them off the bus. I'm like, dang, okay, you're getting off the next step. Thank you. You know, because I had this client and some of the stuff she was asking to do was something seemed off. And I'm like, why would you do it that way when something doesn't make sense? You need to tell me what's going on. And she's like, I don't like your questions. I'm like, well, then I'm not a good mortgage broker for you. I can't do my job if I can't ask you questions. Ding, off the next stop. Next, wasted no time. Guaranteed that that person caused all kinds of havoc for the next bus she got on. She caused havoc for them. And so I love the idea of managing the closing process, you know, using technology to manage it and keep an eye on it. Maybe if somebody that hasn't used you guys before, explain to me what they see. I think of it like a Domino's pizza tracker, but on the back end, right? Like, where's my pizza? Where's my closing? That's kind of a, maybe just walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with us, Adida.ca, essentially what we do is we operate very similar to the appraisal management services. So essentially we have a network of phenomenal and experienced real estate lawyers Basically, if you've got a client who's at the finish line, who's got their mortgage commitment ready to close, you simply put their information into our system. Within minutes, they get assigned to a lawyer. They sign to a team that's going to manage that entire process for you. So right off the bat, you're saving a whole bunch of time because you know you might have a great relationship locally. You might have lawyers that you're using. We all know, you know, month ends get busy. Sometimes, you know, clients need to sign remotely, which everything we do is virtual. So Deed is a really great option right off the bat to save you a whole bunch of time. From there, the minute that you submit that file, like you said, Scott, Domino's Pizza Tracker, we use that a lot. You're able to see exactly what's going on. We got the information. 
my client is signing, the mortgage instructions have come in. So you've got that full transparency and visibility without having to call or email or play, you know, the yeah, phone tag. Phone tag. Or Some law firms, you can't even get anybody on the phone. You like, forget it. You're never going to get an answer. And so, especially when they have a busy month, it's very exactly. to even know what the heck's going on. There's no, yeah. until there's a problem, then you find out like, oh, shoot. Now, all of a sudden, I've got to drop everything to sort out a closing that shouldn't have happened. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and then on top of that, we have a very unique role called partner success manager. And they're essentially your human point of contact. So if you ever have concern or your client's got a concern or something comes up, that issue is very, very quickly managed and professionally sorted out, right? I would say that it's the equivalent of, you know, when you drop off your car for service to the dealer, right? There's a good reason they don't put your mechanic on the front line, right? Have a service advisor, you explain the issue. They then work with, you know, the mechanics and all the different- They can translate it for them. And yes, exactly. So it makes a lot of sense actually. So for us, what that creates is not only- time savings, because now as the broker, you're not dealing with, you know, three or four different people that may have been working on a deal and, and being that conduit between the client. Cause a lot of times it's a game of broken telephone, right? Your client calls you, as you said, Scott, cause they're frustrated, maybe something completely out of your control. It may be something that, you know, the lawyer's office or the title company that didn't go according to plan. Maybe they have anxiety or they have a concern, but you can't necessarily turn around and say, well, sorry, I don't have the answer. Now you got to spend hours digging up the answer and playing that conduit between your clients. When you said earlier, you know, you look at revenue per hour, Mm -hmm. that really struck with me because ultimately we know that we got to ruthlessly guard that, right? Your time is the most finite assets. And that's where, you know, resonates with me personally, because you've only got so many hours during the day and you want to make those productive hours and where is a broker most productive, right? It's not on, you know, shuffling paperwork and doing the administrative. And even if you have an admin person do it for you, make them more efficient. Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily like, so you got the individual broker with no help. Okay, definitely makes sense to have a, some sort of a, you know, a seamless process to manage closings. But even when you do have an admin help of some kind, you want to use every tool to make them more efficient too, right? Like you want them to be making you money. And so the way you do that is by, Again, being ruthless about that and thinking about your revenue per hour. I mean, a great exercise that I have done in the past, and I do it periodically, is just figuring out, A, what did I make per hour last year? Do the math on that. And when you look at that, go, okay. And then whenever you're looking at tasks, it's like, okay, would I pay somebody this to do that, right? So if you're 250 bucks an hour or hundred bucks an hour, whatever that is, it's like, would I pay somebody hundred bucks an hour? Well, no, then why are you doing it? You know, why are you not getting somebody to help you? So that ties into getting support, but then use technology like DDID or whatever to make sure that the people that are working for you are getting even more per hour. That's a leverage effect. So I think it's fantastic. So any final thoughts on this whole idea of like having a tight closing process with good communication and a pizza tracker for improving people's revenue per hour? Yeah. So ultimately, I think if we really boil it down, if you are the guardian of your own time, what we see today is a gap, right? There's a lot of folks that I know have systemized their CRMs. They've systemized their submission systems. There's some really great technologies we mentioned. We're that conduit on the closing side, on the back end of the process, which is equally as important. That's where time can get sucked up very, very quickly. Sometimes you don't even realize it, but you know, hours and hours and hours pass. And that's an hour that you're not following up with another lead. That's an hour that you're not out there building relationships and adding value to your clients. So ultimately, 
that whole revenue per hour metric, whether you're looking at it individually, or I know you're looking at it in the context of your brokerage as well, Scott, which is always amazing to hear and see people thinking of that way and thinking about how can we add value to the overall community in terms of being that guardian of the time. So love where we're going with this and we'd love to work with anybody who does see a lot of value. So yeah, if you guys are listening to this, go check out dita.ca. It's Ruben's company. They have a fantastic closing experience that can manage it for you as well as the communication is very transparent. So like Ruben, always a pleasure to chat with you, man. And see you on the next episode. You bet. Thanks again for having me, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode. You know, got some ideas hopefully from Reuven as well as my conversation with Ed. Final call. If you're looking to sell your book of business and you've been doing this for a while, you actually take care of your clients. I don't want to buy your book of business if you don't take care of your clients. But uh, if you do, I'd love to chat. Shoot me an email, scott.ilovemortgagebroken.com. We'll jump on a call. We'll figure out if there's a way I can help you. And if I can't, I'll tell you that too. I'm not going to waste your time or mine. Shoot me an email and I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.